We're going to go over to Daniel Goodman. Daniel, it's my privilege to introduce you, my friend. You've been so key and helpful um, to us, serving us as a church over the last three years and, and with us as a team. We're very, very grateful. Over to you. Wonderful. I wanted to say uh, a big thank you to the worship leader this morning. I'm afraid I don't know your name. I don't think we've ever properly met, but um, I was so blessed by those songs that we sung this morning. I often find that when I'm with Life Church, I make a note of the songs you sing and find that um, I introduced them back at City Church. And that small, that this morning when we were singing, All My Life You Have Been So, So Good, I think I must know that song from somewhere, but it's not one we do uh, at church yet in Cambridge. But I was actually welling up this morning and I was thinking about that because um, God has been so, so faithful to me. That's truly my experience. Um, and it's important, actually, and relevant to what we're going to say today, because I want to really encourage you with <laughs> this message, basically, that we will go through storms in this life. We will hit a wall. And when we do, don't be surprised and don't give up because God is with us and he will help us. Don't, when you come to that dark night of the soul, when you're in a, a pit that you can't get out of on your own, when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, when it all seems too much, don't be surprised when those moments come. And don't despair because God is with us and he will help us. So why am I sort of um, talking to you about that this morning? Well, you may know that I've been asked to speak to you from this book. Uh, and uh, Walter and Sam and the others have asked me uh, to speak to you about that. And I'm sure you're going through it as a church and that this has been recommended to you. I don't know how you feel about this book or how you feel about things uh, being recommended to you. Um, it reminds me of a moment when I sort of moved house. Uh, my dad uh, turned up with a whole box full of tools that he wanted to give me. So I was very grateful that he gave me this. And I thought, I know exactly what that is and how to use it. But then uh, he gave me this. Okay. Nobody on earth knows what that is or what you're supposed to do with it, or what sort of tool it is. It's completely pointless if you don't know what it is, or how you're meant to use it. Or how about this? Okay, this is not a pair of pliers. Uh, it's, it's not a pair of scissors. Um, thanks, Dad. <laughs> really appreciate that. <laughs> Tools are only useful if you know when to use them and how to use them. But when you get to a point where you need them, nothing else will do. And I believe what this is what a book like this is. It's a tool. You've got to trust that God has put this in the leader's hearts for such a time as this, because God is leading them. God is leading you. And one of the jobs of a leader is to equip the saints for works of service. Actually, I do know what this is for now. This is for scraping old paint 
out of difficult corners. Use a heat gun, get the paint soft, and then you scrape it out. And I tell you, when I was trying to fix one of our old doors, this was absolutely perfect. And hopefully, this will be perfect as well if you figure out when to use it and how to use it. So I want to commend it to you in the sense that it will be useful when you need it. Some of us are going through a dark night of the soul today, uh, but some of us aren't. But I promise you that at some point, you will. And at that point, it's great to know the stuff that a book like this has to offer. Okay, so why should we not be surprised when these hard times come? Well, I want to equip you firstly by just adjusting a few expectations about the Christian life. And uh, to do that, let's look at the first chapter of James. James was one of the church leaders in Jerusalem. He was writing this letter in the 40s um, AD, and he was writing it to sort of a poverty-stricken and persecuted diaspora, the Jews who had spread out from Jerusalem, and he was trying to encourage them. And it's an incredibly practical book. So let me read you a few verses from James chapter 1. James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad. Greetings. Now, the first thing I want us to notice is that he's writing to more than one person. Most of the New Testament is written to more than one person. In the West, we tend to hear it in an individual sense, but I'm urging us to hear it as a corporate sense, okay? To the 12 tribes dispersed abroad. He's writing to a specific group, but through the Holy Spirit, he's also writing to us. And then he says this. Put your seatbelt on, okay, as you hear these words. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Let me just read those last few words again because it's so important to hear. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Later on, James says these words, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. This book and James and even Jesus himself, who said, in this life, you will have trouble, are trying to prepare us for the fact that as we go about our Christian walk, we will hit a wall, a dark night of the soul at some point. We'd all like to think that <laughs> Christian growth is kind of all up and to the right all the time, but it isn't like that. It's a bit more like this, isn't it? it you see some progress and then there's a pruning. You see some progress and then there's a pruning. And the Bible 
tells us to expect that. So in the Gospel of John, we get these words. He prunes, it says, any branch that doesn't bear fruit, he chops off. But the branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. The branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be fruitful. So if you're not producing fruit, you get chopped off. But even if you are producing fruit, you get pruned so that you can be even more fruitful. I think that's why I say, if you come to that moment where you hit the wall, you're in a pit you can't get out of, you're in the dark night of the soul, don't be surprised. This is actually the way God works in our lives. The Christian life, you start, you hope that you're going to get to the finish line without having to go through any trials, but that's just not the way it works. We come to these moments where we hit the wall. I just want to say a little challenge about the idea of becoming a Christian. Sometimes that's presented in these terms. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you let me in, then I'll come in and live with you. Now, those words, although they do come from the Bible, are addressed to believers. They're addressed to the church. Becoming a Christian doesn't really have all that much to do with letting Jesus into your heart. It isn't really about adding Jesus into your life so that your life gets better. Now, of course, the promise of the Father is that the Holy Spirit will live with us, that Jesus will be with us. So there's a sense in which, of course, he does come into our heart. But the Bible speaks far more often in terms of believing Repenting, that means changing from your way to a new way, and following. So whoever has his commands in his heart and follows them, he is who loves God. When we obey God, that's the Christian life outworked. Some people think the Christian life is basically an inoculation. Once it's done, it's all over, you can do whatever you like. No, it is not like that, okay? I'm a, I'm a complete believer in, in the sovereignty of God, but the sovereignty of God doesn't work like that. It's a bit more, becoming a Christian is a bit more like coming under the care of a doctor and saying, I trust this doctor. I'm going to come to this doctor for the rest of my life, and I'm going to do what this doctor tells me every time. And I know that if I do that, then I will be healthy and saved. Okay, so I'm not saying that Christianity promises you health, but I'm talking about sort of salvation. Becoming a Christian is a process of learning to obey God and endure and coming back to him and taking his advice and putting that advice into action. So it's a lifelong process. Another way I think about it sometimes, and this would be, uh, if, you've got a, if you've got a pen, be worth maybe just writing down these five words. Christian, a disciple, a follower, is somebody who increasingly, that's the first word, increasingly, increasingly worships, that's the second word, someone who increasingly worships, obeys, that's the third word, 
and is transformed by Jesus. A disciple, a Christian, is someone who increasingly, so that's a journey, increasingly worships God, is delights in God, obeys God, and is transformed by God. Delights in God, obeys God, and is transformed by God. It's a journey in which God walks beside us. It's a relationship where we choose continually to believe him and to submit ourselves to him and to be obedient to him. And in so doing, we are transformed. And in that, hard times will come. Sometimes those hard times come because we make terrible decisions. Sometimes those hard times come because God acts in our lives in such a way to help us. And the Bible says that he does that because he loves us. He loves us so much that he disciplines us. And I've had that experience as a church pastor where time and time again, you see things happen in church life and you think, I need to step in. I need to speak. I need to bring a challenge. And sometimes the conversation goes through your mind, that's going to be really difficult. Do I love that person enough to have this difficult conversation? And the answer with God is always yes. He does love us enough to have those difficult conversations. He is with us. Now, we can have great hope because what I said was we will go through a dark night of the soul. So don't be surprised. But also, when you go through that dark night of the soul, don't despair. Don't despair because God is with us. He helps us. Listen to these words from Paul in Colossians chapter 1. And we've already heard from Nathaniel from uh, Colossians chapter 1. This is a bit later in verse 28. This is Paul saying, him we proclaim, that is Jesus. We proclaim Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Presenting everyone mature in Christ is Paul's aim. And God has given to the church uh, prophets and pastors and teachers to bring people to maturity. We find those words here in Ephesians chapter 4. Let me read them to you. I'm just trying to stress to the fact that God will help us when we get to that point, because God wants to bring us to maturity. He has great expectations for us. He will equip us in those moments. It says, uh, this is Ephesians 4.11. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now listen to this. Until we reach unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Then we will no longer be infants tossed backwards and forwards by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by every cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scenes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up. When you hit that wall, don't be surprised, but don't despair, because God has given gifts to the church to help you through those moments. And he prunes 
so that we can be more fruitful. He gives us the content of the gospel, the content of the gospel, but he doesn't just give us the content of the gospel. He also gives us the context of the gospel. Okay. He gives us the word of God lived out amongst the people of God. That is really important. We're not created to go through these dark nights of the soul on our own. And I actually get slightly nervous when all the tools that get put into our hands drive us inwards. I think that is an important aspect, but we need to do that part of the journey with other people, at least in conversation with and drawing on the gifts of other people. So when you hit the wall, when you get that dark night of the soul, what do you do? Just a couple of very, very simple steps. But of course, if you want more detail, a book like this can be incredibly helpful. I would say invite God to work in you. That's the first thing. The psalmist David says, search me, O God. See if there's any wicked way in me. He was asking God to do it. I think we should do that. Secondly, embrace what's happening. Embrace it. Don't deny it. Embrace it. Actually receive it as a gift. Receive it as an opportunity and engage with it. If this is what God's doing in your life, engage with it. Participate in what is happening. David took that moment where he said, God, search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. I've been through at least two moments in my life that I would think now were dark nights of the soul. One was when I was a, a teenager and really my faith had never been intellectually challenged. And then I had a moment where uh, something was said and it felt like the edifice of my faith completely collapsed. And uh, it wasn't the heart, but it was the intellectual framework collapsed. And it took me about six months of really searching the scripture and asking other people till I got to the point of total conviction and peace and came through the other side of that. The word of God really helped me, but so did the people of God sharing their lives with me and sharing their stories with me. Much later on and more recently, I've had another really dark night of the soul where I did a really, really catechismically awful sermon. And um, I think it was the 14th or 15th time I had spoken in one seven-day uh, period. And uh, I came into this talk totally exhausted and I was speaking on a very sensitive subject and basically if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. And God totally, totally humbled me. I had to spend the next week apologizing to everybody that you can imagine. And uh, it took all my confidence away. I would say it probably took me two years to come through that in some way and to come through that pruning process um, feeling more fruitful. And helping me do that was the word of God, but also the people of God, their gifts, their wisdom, their grace. And so the simple message is, when you get to that moment in life, don't be surprised, but 
don't despair because God is with you. Jesus went through it all. You know the story of Isaac taken up the mountain to be sacrificed and at the last moment, God stays uh, Abraham's hand. Well, Jesus wasn't spared. He actually did die. Or remember the story of Joseph when he's thrown in the pit and sold into slavery, but his brothers bring back his coat covered in the blood of a goat that they've killed so that they can pretend to the father that he's died. Well, Jesus actually did die. His blood actually was spilled. So when we're in that dark night of that soul, of the soul, we know that Jesus went through it and came out the other side. And our hope in that moment is in him and in his resurrection and in the power of his spirit with us. Let me just end by praying for us. Father, thank you that in that dark night of the soul that comes to us from time to time, perhaps two or three times in our lifetime. Thank you that in that moment, you've prepared us for that. You've given gifts to the church for that moment. You've given us your word. Not only that, but you have been there as well. You've been through it. And your victory over death becomes ours. And your grace is freely lavished upon us. I pray that we wouldn't live life as if we've been inoculated against everything, but we would live life as those who are coming to the doctor, the spiritual doctor, the one whose advice we want, the one whose commands we obey, and that we would choose to be obedient to you day in and day out, and thereby be transformed. Amen. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Daniel. That's really, really helpful. Yeah, let's just pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are always faithful. You never leave us or forsake us. Lord Jesus, we want to declare this morning uh, that we are, we, we say the cross is before us, the world is behind us. Lord Jesus, you are enough for us. We want to honour and follow and live for you, our Saviour, day after day after day, until we go to be with you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Friends, what a wonderful reminder we've had. Enjoy your week, friends.